Hello and welcome. You are listening to Ushi's Speaking, the podcast dedicated to talking about race and racism in the United States. I'm your host, Jen Kinney. Pull up a chair and let's talk. So today I want to start out by reading something that I absolutely adore. There's an author, if you aren't familiar with her, her name is Austin Channing Brown, and she recently wrote a book called I'm Still Here, and she talks about her story as a black woman working within a predominantly white world and culture. And so she has this movement, Working Toward Racial Reconciliation. She shared this statement, and I printed it off. And I want to read it to you guys because it's awesome. We are a collective of change agents. Bored by easy answers, we wrestle with hard questions. We understand history can speak prophetically. We push ourselves purposefully. We read voraciously. Listen intentionally. We act in solidarity. Often called troublemakers, we interrupt the status quo. We work to uproot white supremacy. We hold power accountable, believing in the possibility of change. Working to dismantle unjust systems, we drag injustice into the light. We are reconcilers. We make peace. We promote truth and love above politeness and civility. We make noise because our lives depend on it. We believe in reconciliation. We recognize justice comes first. We know God is working in the world. We celebrate, we laugh, we honor one another, we practice joy. Making room for grief, we cultivate hope. We believe in redemption and resurrection. We are confident in love's victory. The thing that really stood out to me in that is making room for grief, we cultivate hope. And that is something that I see such a challenge in in our culture. I've written about this in the past. I've talked about this. I work through this in my life. But something that we tend not to be comfortable with in this country is just sitting in discomfort and being with people in grief. We are often very quick to assign blame and then to give answers. And we're very bad about just sitting in unknown spaces. And I see this a lot in conversations. I see people saying, what is it I'm supposed to do? How, how am I supposed to do anything about this? You have no actionable items for me. All of this seems very, you know, intangible. And there's a great deal of frustration that rises up from that. So I'm going to tell you what you can do. You can start by simply making room for grief and holding space for other people's stories. It's not easy. It will challenge you. There's no quick fix that comes as a result of it. But you will learn from that. You will grow from that. You will learn to listen more. You may learn things about your friends and the people around you that you've never even imagined. That in itself is valuable. We might not have fixes. They might not be immediate. And I think that is one of the things that really frustrates this overall dialogue and conversation. Because they can't see how this is going to change or they can't see how things could uh, shift or or they can't see really tangible examples of 
racism and bias and the way that affects the lives of people of color, they would rather not touch it at all. So right now, I am inviting all of us into this space of unknown tension and asking us to be present in that and to be listening and to be quicker to listen and slower to speak, particularly as it pertains to our friends and relationships and colleagues uh, of color. So today I was online and I was part of this discussion and it was encouraging because there was a discussion going on and it was about racism in this country. And one thing that occurred to me is this. We need to also be very careful how we carry ourselves online and how we carry ourselves in communication with our friends of color. White people, this is for you. Regardless of where you're at in this process, you may not believe that racism exists at all. You may not believe that this is something that is an issue. You may not believe that it touches you because of your concepts and ideas about faith or God or whatever. But I can assure you 100% that your friends and relationships with people of color around you will be directly impacted and affected by the way you choose to communicate on this topic. Because here we are, and and I said this online today, I said, you know, we can get into these debates and we can exchange ideas and we can talk about statistics and we can talk about interpretations of these things and trends through history and all of that stuff is fascinating. But for the white people on this conversation, we need to understand that this is a topic of conversation to us. The people of color in this group, we are talking about their lives. They are bringing their lives to the conversation. They are bringing their stories to the conversation. And how we meet them matters. For me as a white woman to host this anti-racism podcast, to host dinner parties, to do these things, even though I love my friends dearly and I hurt for them tremendously, It's not my reality, and it's not my life. And I can still walk out of my front door as a white woman and remain largely unaffected by any of this stuff. I'm going to read something to you by a friend on Facebook who inspired this podcast. His name is Dexter Pierce, and he has a website dedicated to the discussion of racial reconciliation. And I'll share that website with you guys at the end of the show. But it was interesting because there was this conversation going on between a group of people. And it was after one of my friends posted this quote, brothers and sisters talking about racism doesn't cause division. It causes discomfort. Silence about racism is actually what divides. Now that quote alone needs to get unpacked in its own podcast. I am talking about the conversation that followed between people. And it was a tough conversation. You know, these two men of color were on sharing about their experiences as men of color, the frequency with which they've been pulled over, pulled out of their car, frisked, searched, harassed by the police, et cetera, et cetera. And unfortunately, they were being met by this idea by their white friends that this was largely some political ploy that the left was trying to push. And, you know, they're using words like race baiting and all of this. In the midst of this difficult conversation, Dexter says, 
I tried to explain earlier the emotional difficulties of having to constantly validate and justify one's experiences and existence. And that's exactly what happens when black people are the ones responsible for teaching white people about racism, particularly when those white people have not put in any real work to educate themselves aside from asking the convenient black person. And then another one of our friends went on to say, here I am telling a white friend about what it's like being black in America, and that white friend is minimizing my experience. If that were the only experience, maybe, but it's not, and no amount of media has brainwashed me into thinking non-issues are racism. These examples happened, and they were racist, period. As a white man, recognition is a huge step. Listening to black folks, and even if you're skeptical, understanding their perspective. But being dismissive of or minimizing claims of experienced racism is about the worst thing you can do when it comes to talking about racism. So consider your words. Consider your approach. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. And who better to listen to and to learn from than people of color about what it's like being people of color in this country. So I'm going to close with that. I'm going to close with that encouragement to all of us to sit in the tension and be willing to be in a space that is uncomfortable and difficult make room for grief. In doing so, we cultivate hope. Thanks for tuning in. Check out my friend Dexter's website, faithraceandjustice.com, and tune in next time.